You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you're doing well and hydrating and sleeping well and staying healthy as much as possible. Uh, We are still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and in the age of COVID-19. And in light of that, um, I'm now basically using my intros to plug certain agenda items, if you will. I'm getting into like my director mode. Um, But I am really excited to introduce this episode that I have with my friend, Dr. Chen Fu, who is an attending physician out in New York City and was recently featured in Time magazine. Um, But before we get to that, I do want to take care of some uh, housekeeping (laughs) items that hopefully will be helpful to all the listeners out there and uh, helpful to those who need our help the most right now. So before we get into this episode on everyday heroes, uh, this is where you can be the hero and do your part. Because we are still in the age of COVID-19 and not having any certainty of when this will be quote unquote over or if we will just have to figure out how to navigate uh, different waves of addressing this pandemic moving forward for an unknown amount of time. I really want to encourage everybody to continue social distancing. I don't know if people are paying attention to the news or what your news source is or you're staying away from it because of mental health reasons. Uh, But there are signs that social distancing is having a significant impact on slowing down the number of cases. And it is doing a very important job in not overwhelming our current healthcare providers and not overwhelming uh, hospitals and all the supplies and the ventilators and every you know the medication that is needed in order to heal and um, just take care of those who are currently impacted and uh, diagnosed with COVID nineteen. So thank you to everybody who's been staying vigilant and doing the thing by social distancing, by staying vigilant about hand washing, um, checking in on each other uh, with loved ones and practicing that self-care because honestly, it is the cliche that's going to be proven scientifically to be the most effective thing right now, which is taking care of yourself is the best way to take care of others. So everyone who's staying disciplined and um, staying away from each other, thank you. You guys are doing the thing, sending you huge hugs and lots of encouragement. I know that it's not easy. Um, There are people who are going through different waves of emotions and dealing with cabin fever, feeling lonely and isolated. And it is not easy. I'm not saying that it is, but it is important. And so for everyone who's been doing that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I also want to recommend and share the recommendation from the CDC and from other health organizations around the world that uh, wearing personal protection equipment, PPE, is important at this point. That if you're going to go outside and you're going to go shopping or run errands or whatever, whenever you vitally need to, um, to wear a personal mask and to make that a priority so that uh, you are not subjecting yourself to getting uh, coronavirus or getting other people sick because there are tons of asymptomatic people who are spreading the virus. And so asymptomatic means you are not showing any symptoms, okay? It is just clarification. You don't have to be coughing or having shortness of breath or even feeling ill at all to have it and to be able to spread it. Um, these The virus can live on hard surfaces. It can... You know, there's a lot of ways for this to spread. So just be careful. It's not to spread panic again, but we need to be informed and we need to be very knowledgeable and educated about how this moves and how we need to interact with the world to prevent ourselves from getting sick and prevent others from getting sick. Um, So, yeah, please do your part and uh, get that personal PPE. There are masks that you can actually make at home. There are so many tutorials that are circulating. It's incredible. And the creative side of me, just I love people and how um, 
personal and positive people are being about this whole situation. It's making lemonade out of lemons and getting creative using old t-shirts. You can use handkerchiefs. You can use so many different um, items. You don't have to be knowledgeable about how to use a sewing machine or using an even a needle and a thread. There are versions that are DIY that just need fabric and scissors. And you can literally create a mask for yourself um, without having to sew anything at all. So if you feel intimidated and you feel limited in your ability to make a mask, fret not, Google it, YouTube it, Instagram it, and you'll find a tutorial. And please do your part. Um, I'm in Los Angeles. I did go grocery shopping the other day, and I did see about a third of the people, maybe like a quarter of the people, not wearing masks. So uh, we need to be reminding others and encouraging others and educating others on the importance of this. And, uh, you know, hold back on the condemnation. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe they haven't heard the news. Maybe they don't understand how serious it is. But we do need to keep each other accountable and find a way to communicate that out to the world that um, they need to be having this practice okay this is for all of our betterment it's the fastest way that we can slow this down nip it in the bud and wait it out so that we can have some semblance of a strategy on how to get back to normal like literally the longer that we can hold out and be safe and be healthy and give time for scientists to figure out what to do, scientists and leadership, um, to figure out what to do so that we can actually implement something that will work and get us back out into our jobs, out into public spaces again. This is what we got to do. And so every person matters. There's, again, science behind how one person can impact and affect and infect a lot of different people. So do your part. Um, we're all in this together. I've had varying levels of emotional outbursts on this podcast. So today I'm clearly in a little bit more of a calm mind, but it is really serious. And so I'm not going to pull back on that. Um, I'm holding all y'all accountable because if you're listening to this podcast, clearly you're wildly intelligent and you care a lot about humanity. Or at least I hope that you do. And I hope that's what you get out of this podcast. So please uh, do me a solid beyond the team, the collective humanity team and help help our brothers and sisters and everybody out, okay? Um, also on the PPP note, there are still shortages. I, I This virus, at least in America, you know, I'm in the United States, but um, I mean, this is going to continue to spread in different pockets and different outbursts all over the world. But People are facing different PPE shortages. I know that there's a lot of strategizing on manufacturing and distribution. I know that California, where I live, has kind of taken matters into their own hands and ordered millions of PPE just to make sure that their uh, that their healthcare workers and frontline workers have what they need um, because clearly there's a lot of disorganization and just madness going on at the federal level in the United States. And so if you find yourself in a place or a country uh, that is facing the same disorganization or the same shortage of supplies, please take a second and just Google what you can do. Again, I'm not promoting Google. Just search, go online, use the internet, talk to a friend and figure out where you can help out because um, people are really stepping up and donating whatever N95 mask, whatever surgical mask they have on hand. And um, sorry, I should have mentioned this earlier, but PPE is personal protection equipment. And that means that it is, uh, we're referring to N95 respirator mask, surgical mask, hand sanitizer, face shields, and protective gowns. These are the frontline workers barrier between them and the sickness, between all the patients that they're interacting with. They really need this. They need to dispose of them. They need to sanitize them. Sometimes they're reusing things that are not supposed to be reusable, but they need something rather than nothing. So as much as we can help out in the frontline workers having the proper PPE to take care of all these patients, we need to do our part. The website that I used uh, to donate my leftover N95 respirator mask and leftover surgical mask that I didn't need, um, I sent through a website called mask-match.com. Um, I was matched through filling out a survey that took me only a couple minutes to fill out. That uh, supply of masks that I had was sent to somebody in Nevada who needed 
my mask. So I was matched. I sent it out. It was easy. It was quick. Um, they have a whole text messaging thing to verify all this stuff. It was really great. Super organized. I'm very grateful. And I'm seeing more uh, people like on Instagram verifying that their donations were matched as well and received by actual people. So it's really, really awesome to see that those efforts are making an impact. It's, you know, I, I had 30-something masks left over, so I'm so glad that that can be used for somebody who really needs it. And in the meantime, I'll make my T-shirt mask while I wait for my PPE that I actually ordered from other companies. So um, if you, wherever you are and you want to donate, um, contact your local hospital or your health department. And that's recommended, at least in the States, by the American Medical Association. And um, there's more information at getusppe.org. Um, with actual instructions from health workers, and it has specifications for the items that they need the most and how to get them to donation sites. And you can search that website by region and state. Again, it's getusppe.org, and you can get more information. And that's for the United States. And if you're in another country listening to this, you know, find out where your local um Receive like there's going to be other organizations set up to handle donations as well. So. Again, if everybody does a little bit, it makes a huge difference. So please do not remove yourself from that equation and do whatever you can, okay? Even if it's just sharing it on social media, I'm doing whatever I can to use this platform and my podcast and my voice and my Instagram to shed light and to spread the word because my other friends are are spreading the word and it's absolutely inspiring and incredible. So shout out to all the everyday heroes. You guys are heroes, honestly. Thank you for informing me and helping me Uh, get the word out and you're going to do your part. It's amazing. It's teamwork. And I'm tagging you right now. So tag, you're it. This is instead of me tagging on Instagram because I don't have your handle. Okay. Um, But yes, so that's in terms of the PPE, the logistics, um, helping out our frontline workers. I have mentioned this in previous episodes, and this is literally the theme of the conversation that you're about to listen to with uh, my friend Chen. But these frontline workers are going through hell at the moment. Um, They're overwhelmed. They're dealing with massively sick people. They're having to make really hard decisions, and they just need our love and support. They are they are our warriors. They are the one. They are uh, they're the ones at battle right now. So as much as we're holding down the fort and battling coronavirus in our own ways, um, they're really in the thick of it. So let's do whatever we can to support them. Yeah, you feel me? Cool. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to mention, kind of on the caveat of like how I have approached my tone and my delivery of everything that's been going on, obviously putting out a lot of content the last couple of weeks and having varying levels of emotional state in which I deliver my message out to the world. Um, first of all, if I offended anybody or if I triggered anybody, I apologize. I am dealing with this crisis in my own manner. I feel very passionate about making sure that everyone's okay. And so I know that I've gotten really hyped and really sometimes can sound belligerent. So if that was upsetting to anybody or making people feel guilty or like I'm shaming them or that I'm like, you know, yelling at you, I apologize. Truly, it's not my intention, but it may have been my action and the result of what I said and how I said it. So if I did that, I'm very sorry. And I really want to be mindful of that moving forward because in addition to everybody else, I'm also learning how to deal with this and I have a different um, approach and I have a different, I don't know, different kind of responsibility maybe because I'm putting this out on a public platform. So I want to own that. Um And my intention, my wish, my heart is just to help. It's just, I want to be a resource. I want to be however much of a help I can be. Uh, So I hope that anybody who was offended or hurt or anything can show grace and forgive me. I will appreciate that very much. And um, this is the segment where I want to talk about mental health for a hot second. Because this is uh, an unfolding life and an unfolding reality that we're in. And it is it is important to acknowledge that it is a traumatic moment in time. This is a traumatic experience that we're all collectively experiencing in various ways and to varying levels of intensity. And um, 
I don't know. That's just, I personally don't feel like that's even an opinion. It's just facts. And we need to, we need to own facts. We need to kind of accept what is happening right now. I am not an expert. I am somebody who has dealt with trauma in a lot of different ways and successfully and unsuccessfully in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it's, I want to take a moment to acknowledge because it's the opposite of condemning everybody for like not doing this or not doing that or being this way or not being this way. We're, we're all trying to cope with this. Um, but just kind of setting the context that people, we're all collectively having this fear of getting sick, right? And the fallout of having an unknown virus, potentially dying from it, potentially losing a loved one from it. Um, But beyond just the sickness, I mean, people are facing extreme economic stress. We're dealing with unemployment. We're dealing with job uncertainty. Um, There's people that are worried about their children, about our elderly parents, um, so many other family pressures. I mean, there's increased risk of domestic violence. I can't even imagine, like, I've personally dealt with domestic violence and and being locked up and quarantined in those situations. I mean, we don't even know what's happening with abusive relationships um, and what this level of fear and what this economic and emotional mental instability is is causing. Um, And there's just the news and the warnings of loss and death. It is a lot. There's a lot happening right now, Um, and I don't want to make light of that. I want to be supportive, and I want to be positive, but um, those are important things to acknowledge that we are collectively dealing with, and we also don't know what people are really dealing with. I mean, we have coping mechanisms to be on social media and to talk with one another, even in our Zoom meetings, even our FaceTimes, but there also are our personal stories, our narratives, our experiences that we might feel are too personal to share, we're ashamed about, we're guilty about, and just in general not willing to be vulnerable about. So I just want to put that out there so that people can continue to deepen their empathy and deepen their compassion for themselves and for other people. We really do not know what everybody is dealing with and how Uh, we're struggling and how we're coping. So it's not a place of judgment. It's a place of acknowledgement and empathy. This is the most important time for us to be empathetic. And I am personally still struggling with that um, and working on it. And so I'm just putting that out there as an encouragement to all of you, all of us, that we keep at that. And it's not just putting that outwards to others, but also to ourselves. Like that is really, really important. It's still, it's part of the self-care thing. We are survivors and we are going to survive this. And it may be very difficult, probably will be. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be really just, it's not going to be an easy time, but we can do this. This is me giving all of you guys a hug. Okay. We will be okay. And um, I don't want to make things heavier than they are. I, I want to call them what it is and um, provide resources also because I too have been having various levels of stress and dips and moments of panic. And and so if you do need help, if you do need someone to talk to, know that there's resources out there. Listen to my old episodes if you want to hear about like my journey with therapy. There's tons of podcasts and blogs out there, people facing this really strange place and issue of asking for help or seeking help. I personally have dealt with a lot of layers of um, wanting to be above it and not wanting to ask others for help where I needed it the most, whether that was pride or ego or budgetary restrictions or feeling like I didn't have time or just feeling ashamed. There's so many reasons why I didn't reach out and get help. Even from my friends, even from like free resources, I'm not even talking about like some clinical, you know, clinical provider of mental health therapy. Um, In general, this is going to be and is a test of our mental fortitude, our emotional vulnerability. So please take a second and give yourself space to think about asking for help. 
And if you come to a place where you answer that question, do I need help? And you say yes, then I really, really lovingly encourage you to act on it. Okay. Even if that just means looking it up. Okay. Even if that means like you're not even reaching out to somebody, but you're just looking it up just to see what resources are out there. Every step of this process is important. Okay. And I do not want to say, oh, like just do that. No. Sometimes searching for that is a big freaking deal. Sometimes like just entering your name to sign up for betterhelp.com, which I did, is a big deal. It is a confrontation of self and it is a humbling of your ego. It is removing stigma. It's accepting your vulnerability and your fragility as a person. It's a big deal. So um, I don't want to minimize these actions as, oh, just do this. But also know that if you just, quote unquote, do that, that's, that's great. It's amazing. And I applaud you. It is not easy. And we're conditioned for so many reasons and so many ways not to do that. Um, and yeah, I've dived into that quite a bit on previous episodes of this podcast. So again, I, I just want to be a resource. If those conversations can help you and unpack those things and be a safe space to, to explore that, please go listen to that and go listen to so many others like Perfectly Imperfect with Christine Chen. Um, my friend, I, there's so many. Um, and I really just want you to encourage you to go look into that. If uh, you're in the States, and you want to start looking for resources online, one of the first things that came up when I Googled it was cdc.gov. Um, there is a disaster distress helpline. So I'm going to just plug the number right here, which is 1-800-985-5990. Or you can text talk with us, all one word, talk with us to 66746. Again, you can text talk with us to 66746 and they'll respond and they'll be various ways that you can be directed to a resource that is helpful to you, okay? Um, and I really want to do a shout out to my betterhelp.com's therapist because she is wonderful. And um, yeah, I should, uh, so much to unpack there, um, but she's great. And it is a breath of fresh air. It is good therapy, <laughs> actual therapy, but it's really good therapy. Um, so please reach out. And if there's anybody who is suffering from domestic violence, um, please, please, from the bottom of my heart, as a former, not a former, I am a domestic violence survivor, um, please find a way to get help. Go to the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, it's 1-800-799-7233. Or find local support if you're and if you're outside of the states, um, please get help. And I actually have been moved. I want to talk more about my domestic violence experience because there's a lot of layers of psychology um, to unpack and ways that people, even bystanders and allies and friends and family, if you know somebody who's in a, an abusive relationship, how all of that coexists and how we can impact one another. Um, I would love to talk about that just from personal experience to um, shed light on it. So that will be forthcoming. But yes, please, uh, if you're dealing with that, please get help. People are there. They want to help you. And we'll get through this. And before going into the episode with Dr. Chen Fu from New York, um, I just want to say a few things that I'm grateful for because I don't want this to all be gloom and doom and just talking about statistics and heaviness. Um, I am really practicing the gratitude every day. It was a practice that I was pushing myself to do before coronavirus ever hit, but it is all the more important now. And I really encourage everybody to take time each day to like think about the small things that are bringing them joy because that's the motivation. These are the glimmers of hope that will keep us going and Personally, I think that's what life is all about. I've always, not always, that's not true. I have, as a mature adult, recognized that happiness to me is when I just feel so thankful to be alive. To me, happiness and fulfillment is very much equivalent to gratitude. So I think that practice and like taking time to note it is really helpful in terms of grounding me, um, giving me hope, giving me positivity, giving me motivation and inspiration to keep moving forward and create more moments where I'm gra grateful. And honestly, if we think about it, it's everywhere. There are so many things to just be grateful. Honestly, 
as as significant and as simple as being grateful to breathe, especially in light of coronavirus. The fact that we can breathe a breath is so precious, and I hope that we don't take that for granted. Honestly, most likely will moving forward. Um, but right now, let's take a moment and just all be grateful that we can breathe air, oxygen, freely, without pain and restriction. Um, a couple of cute things from this past week that I want to like highlight and celebrate as a win. I made a homemade bolognese sauce. I know that that might seem small to you, but let me tell you, bolognese sauce is a very tedious and awesome process. It is ranges depending on how long you want to let it simmer like three to five hours to make bolognese sauce it has tons of vegetables and the reason why i wanted to share that i made bolognese sauce a because i feel like a badass and it is delicious i want to like toot my horn because cooking has been a huge source of therapy for me it always has been i always enjoyed it but um this meal prep situation has been awesome but on a practical level too um bolognese sauce is super super uh like great for meal planning. It is uh, very, <laughs> what's the word? Hearty. It has, it's a meat sauce. So sorry, vegans, but also vegans, you guys have beyond meat now or possible meat. Like you can make it. There's nothing standing in your way. Uh, make your version, make it with tofu, whatever. It has a lot of vegetables in it. it, has celery, onions, and carrots. You can honestly throw in whatever you want. Like if you want to throw in zucchini, go for it. But the classic recipe is actually substantial in vegetables and tomato sauce. Um, you can freeze it. And so all around, and pasta um, is really cheap. So I, as a practical tidbit that I wanted to share, Meal prep has been really, really fun for me, and it's been a very good creative uh, challenge for me. How to make meals that I like, that are affordable, that can last, and um, yeah, pretty much those things. I think those are really (laughs) the important things. And I don't know, bolognese sauce, so good and very good for like, honestly, I feel like I'll have meals for the next three to four, maybe five days, because if I have breakfast and I eat other things and whatever, like that'll be dinner slash lunch for the better part of this week. So um, that's for me as a single woman. But if you're feeding a family, whatever, and you're on a tight budget, which a lot of us are, um, I really want to encourage you guys to search and share recipes. This is me sharing my recipe. Uh, Maybe I'll find a way. I put it on my Instagram, but I will find a way to share it. I Frankensteined a couple recipes and it just, it was, it came out so good. It's bomb. So um, hopefully that can be an inspiration for everybody out there to be mindful of their consumption, to make sure to be healthy, that you are getting enough vegetables. Like I'm supplementing this pasta with like a salad and other veggies always, every meal I have. Um, but to stay sustainable and we're not, uh, breaking the bank. It's really important right now. And there's a lot of people who are struggling to stretch every single dollar. So um, highly suggest bolognese sauce, pasta sauces. Um, there are so many cool recipes that I'm finding for people who are doing like pantry meals. Like are you taking stuff that you've had in storage and figuring out creative ways to eat um, meals and make them healthy and make them delicious. So Again, with great challenge comes great creativity. So let's not miss out on this opportunity to just go ahead and feed yourself and also treat yourself. I also want to celebrate that my mom had her birthday this past week and she learned how to use Zoom. And that was the cutest thing ever. And I got to spend, you know, a good half hour hanging out with my family all together on Zoom. And that was like just a freaking precious moment. I got very emotional because I realized like, I don't know when the next time I can hug my mom is. Um, I haven't had a hug in in weeks and weeks and weeks. And so in general, it, it made me quite emotional, but it made me so grateful for technology. The fact that I can see their faces and see my mom learn a new skill. And also my dad played her happy birthday. He's a saxophone nut. He's good and then not good at the same time. So um, I don't know why, but my dad struggles to finish songs. He starts off really strong and then he kind of like tapers off. This happens even with karaoke. I don't know what his deal is, but it was like a nice, interesting jazz version of Happy Birthday that he played. It was a really sweet moment. I'm very, very grateful. That moment was so meaningful to me. And happy birthday on my love you so, so much. And um, having my weekly Patreon hangouts, shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so freaking much for continuing to support this podcast. 
I know that it's not easy for everybody and not everyone's employed, but oh my God, I just, I'm beyond words that people are sticking by this podcast and supporting me. And if you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And um, at home workouts, it's just like my advice corner. Um, if you guys are not able to get outside, I've been really, really limiting this past week. I didn't go outside uh, for seven days, six days, six days straight. I didn't leave my building, which is the longest ever. Um, I'm sitting out on my balcony trying to get sunshine. But if you want at home workouts, yo, it's it's really fun. And um, I finagled away. I get I do jump roping and I do it in my garage because no one's like leaving. Like it's not unsafe but um jump roping is an amazing thing if you can get your hands on a jump rope such a good workout um youtube literally has eight trillion workouts that you can do at home i did an aerobics thing with like a 50 plus year old woman and it was hard and it was great so if you want to get your steps in if you want to get active all of that is there this is a really fun time to like remove all judgment of yourself and to like commit to something. Again, you don't have to get super disciplined with it, but I'm just saying it's there and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I'm trying out different workouts every single day, at least one, because some of them I really like. So I repeat, but um, yeah, it's been really fun. I am staying pretty healthy and getting fit and uh, yeah, go check out YouTube. Shout out to Athlean and Emmy Wong and uh, Yoga with Adrian. And Chloe Ting, yo, these people, and Blogilates, you're giving me life, and you're getting me toned, so thank you. Um, and last but not least, I want to recommend a book. Sorry, this is going on forever, but I hope you, I hope these are helpful. My book recommendation that I love right now is a book called Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. It's written by Mark Manson, who wrote the book The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Both books I, are incredible, and... Um, this one, everything is everything is fucked. This book is, uh, it just it approaches life and meaning and purpose in such an interesting way. Um, he talks about our feeling brain versus our thinking brain. It talks about mortality and meaning, meaning, and uh, it's just such a great integration of hard science and philosophy and comedy because he's hilarious, and I'm literally laughing out loud while I read this. Um, and it's very practical. It's very spiritual. There's a lot of humanity in it. I think it's so appropriate for a lot of what we're experiencing right now. So if you want to read a book that's entertaining and educational and thought-provoking, I highly recommend this book. And if you have other book recommendations, seriously, like DM me or email me, first of all, pod at gmail.com. Let me know what you recommend. Um, let's keep the resources flowing. But yeah, that's my really long intro. <laughs> And uh, I do want to do a disclaimer that my conversation with Chen Fu was uh, through the internet. It was on a limited timeline. So it's not going to be the regular format. A lot of conversations that I have on, first of all, um, at the very beginning of this conversation, we we were trying to set up audio. So we're talking as we're setting up audio. So you guys will get it. You're not, um, it's just be ready. And thank you to Chen Chen, if you're listening to this, you're wonderful, and I say it repeatedly in this conversation, but thank you for what you're doing for the citizens of New York, um, and thank you what you're doing for the Asian American community, and thank you what you're, what you're doing for humanity. This is—I uh, just thank all our doctors and nurses and healthcare workers so much for being brave and being selfless and doing really important work right now. So I'm sending you all love, and wash your hands social distance, hydrate, sleep. I'm still not sleeping well. Something I need to address. Let's take care of ourselves. Okay. So without further ado, thank you for listening. Oh, and fill out the 2020 census. Okay. Seriously, go fill out the 2020 census if you're in the United States. It's important. Be counted. This is $675 billion being allocated based on you filling out a form online, online, on the phone, through mail. Go do the thing. Okay, now really, seriously, um, here is the episode on Everyday Heroes with Dr. Chen Fu. Hey. Enjoy. Me and me and. I'm tired of a treat. No, no. 
How are you keeping on, though? I'm doing well. Honestly, um, I mean, all things considered, I feel really, really lucky. I mean, it's LA has been very quiet. Um, mm. Yeah. I did lose a classmate. My my friend from acting school passed away. Um, he was an older gentleman. Yeah, that was really sucky to hear. And then uh, my brother's law school friend, he lost his father. So um, there, there are people, I mean, it's hitting. But I feel like in my life, in terms of like financial strife and all these things, it's been very, you know, minimal. So I feel very grateful for that. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. It gets very difficult once it gets to the point where everybody starts to know somebody who passed. Yeah. It really does become that, that strange thought experiment that we do where, you know, everybody thinks of 10 people and thinks of, of uh, or a hundred people and thinks of, of two of them dying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really starting to become a little bit like that. Let me empty this. Bit yeah. I, I hope your parents are okay. Yeah. My parents are doing fine. I mean, they have a dry cleaner, so they're considered an essential business. And so they're still open. Oh, wow. Good, good, good. Yeah. But it's really funny. I was talking with my mom yesterday. They were saying like, oh, it feels like we're getting ready for retirement. <laughs> they're like, because they have to figure out how to manage their schedules. They have a very limited, you know, uh, working hours. So uh, they're staying really positive. And it's really funny because not funny, but uh, ironic because my dad grew up like, you know, every Asian family and every set of Asian parents has their own set of like their history and their trauma and all that. But my dad grew up with a lot of trauma and drama. So it's I think it's ironic that when things go crazy, he gets really calm and he gets really centered and it's I feel kind of like that like I've dealt with a very colorful life so sometimes I feel like when things get really crazy for other people and it like the my environment gets nuts I get very still so it's a weird thing that's so fascinating how that kind of happens um Mm -hmm. I think such a thoughtful uh that's such a thoughtful inspection to make um I think my parents are sort of similar um and part of that is just the 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 like you mentioned, the, just the pure amount of strike that they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think each generation is kind of defined by the challenges that they overcome, right? Like World War II and the greatest generation kind of go hand in hand. Right. And our parents growing up in various turmoil-driven, war-torn, at the time, uh, war-torn countries in, in Asia, mm-hmm. have that incredible period of transition that defines them. Um, my, my father kind of grew up on the tail end of the, the cultural revolution, the great leap forward and all of that. Um, Dong Xiaoping was just opening up China at the time. He has these remarkable stories to tell of how food was scarce and things like that. And I'm sure, I mean, G, your, your parents are probably no stranger to the Korean war right. um, at that period of reconstruction following. Um, I mean, that's when they were born. So I feel like there are things that they've experienced that frankly, I haven't even properly investigated you know like i there's stuff that i discover about my because it's 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 a sad thing but not an uncommon thing that people become an adult before they realize that their parents are regular human beings because they don't take you know they they kind of view them through that parent lens and that they're just this being that was there to provide shelter and food and having all sorts of attitudes towards them but realizing you know these are these are people like me and my friends and, you know, they went through a whole lifetime before we ever came around and just learning mm-hmm. about what that actually was and that level of survival that they had to deal with and all the problems and challenges that they as real regular people encountered. I mean, this is just honestly been like maybe the last 10 years of my life, really getting to know that side of my parents and being more persistent in asking, because I feel like there's, an expectation that some kids have like, Oh, why didn't you tell me this? It's like, well, you never asked. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Oh my gosh. I could not agree more. Um, it it, it is true. Like I, I, I'm guilty of the same thing growing up. I always viewed my parents as this sort of unidimensional monolithic figure. They just sort of fit this stereotypic mold of Asian parents. And Mm -hmm. I, I thought that they were just these strict disciplinarians who kept me from doing the things that I wanted to do. Which, which at the time was, you know, dress in all black and listen to metal, <laughs> metal band. Um, Stop it. Did you really, Chad? <laughs> I, really, 
<laughs> I, I went through a touch of a phase. It, I, I am not proud to admit it. Um, <laughs> Be proud. Do I mean own it? That's that's such an interesting. I mean, I, I, I what? When did I meet you? It was a few years ago in Houston, Houston or yeah, Dallas, Houston. Houston. Which I sorely miss. I sorely miss. Um, no, it's it's true. And at the time, I, I sort of viewed them as as this 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 unidimensional figure. But then, as I got to know them, I, I, I reflected upon them, and I got to know their histories. As I began to ask, um, I, I learned about just you know my dad growing up on this eggplant farm, selling vegetables on the street. It started when um, I actually went to this. Uh, I, I went on this trip to Tanzania to mm. see how things were done there, volunteer a little bit. This was back in college. Um, and I, I, I told my dad the story of how, how strange it was whenever, uh, myself and some of the other volunteers got into, um, got into the van to take us home at the end of the day. There was a large group of children that would always chase after us, trying to, trying to speak with us or, or just, just, just trying to get to know us. And they would, they would run after the van. And I always felt how I, I was, I told my dad how strange it was feeling like a rock star in the midst of that, even though I, I was far from anything like that. My dad was like, Chen, you know, when I was those kids' age, I was one of those kids. Hmm. After that same van. And it made me reflect on how incredible of a sacrifice they made coming to America with like $50 in their pocket. And, you know, my, my dad came, came from China and um, headed straight for Iowa City, Iowa. Iowa City, Iowa. Wow, that's new culture shock. Yeah, um, yeah. First, first meal was a slice of pizza, and he had he had no idea. Uh, he had never seen pizza in his life, and so when when he took a look at that cheese for the first time, he peeled the cheese off because he thought it was mold, and then took a took a bite of the pizza, and he was like, "What is this? This is horrible!" And why did it cost <laughs> one tenth of the amount of money I have? <laughs> oh no. Um, Chen, I I mean, I'm so glad that. I have Facebook just to like peek in on everything that's been going on. And I have such a really skewed perception of time right now, as many people do. But just remembering that I stayed at your place at NYU. When was that like three years ago? ago. That's right. Yeah. 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 My goodness. Okay. And so where, how, like, yeah, catch me up on like all the things. You know, it's so funny that you talk about that skewed perception of time because I feel like one thing that this virus has done is it's created this catastrophic sort of rift in time. And mm-hmm. the, this thing that I hear most common is how people uh, walk up and tell me, um, you know, back in the day, and then they realize that back in the day was like three weeks ago. Three and weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, they'll say something like back in the day, I could just go out and go to a bar, go to these restaurants and, and live my life and be together with people. And now I have to leave, live this life of separateness, which in, in, in New York City is, is such a difficult thing. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of our interns even started using the term BC to mean before coronavirus. <laughs> wow. But, um, but three years ago, I think, was, was roughly when, when, when you stayed with me those couple of nights. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, my goodness, that seems like an eternity ago. Yeah, it really was. And I don't even remember the context in which I was there because I think I was there for maybe like a week as I, you know, I go to New York fairly frequently and you were so kind to like, let me crash on your couch or floor or wherever I stayed in your place, but you're in like the NYU dorms. And I thought that in and of itself was so cool because I've stayed with, you know, I've, I've couch surfed with the best of them. You know what I mean? Like my (laughs) life with collaboration means finding a place in random places like Detroit or Boston or wherever. And, you know, and you and I had met at Collaboration Houston. And then I, was it through Facebook? I'm guessing it was through Facebook. I recognize like, oh, you're in New York. And then I think you offered your place because I just needed a place to crash in New York. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. That's right. I, I think you were coming to New York to, uh, to support Collaboration in New York City. Okay. Um, you know, something that you do often. I feel like your your life is just one of support. Um, and uh, and you you were mentioning that you were staying with a friend, and so I, I and and you're you're staying on their couch or something. And I, I thought to myself, well, I have an extra bed. Why don't I shoot her a message and maybe pick her brain a little bit? And, 
um, get to catch up with her a touch. And so I, I that was I, such I, a great trip. Yeah. I, yeah. and thank you again, three years later, thank you for letting me stay. I mean, that was, I, I, I support. And it's also cause I have been supported. You know what I mean? Like I've been so supported by people like you and our, our mutual friends and people around me that like, I don't deserve this kindness, but thank you. So you just pay it forward. So you letting me stay at, at your, in your extra bed in New York city, Come on, from so- someone who's traveling, if they need to get an Airbnb or hotel, that's incredibly expensive. And it's just also the adventure of it, like getting to see into your life. And that's what I'm so curious to kind of catch up on because what if you can really quickly recap what you're at NYU, what stage of the medical student level? So I don't even know the words. It's so funny because this was supposed to have been my life, but you know, yeah. That's it's, 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 it's very, it's a very confusing process. Um, sometimes intentionally so, so don't worry. Um, I am, I'm an attending physician. Um, and what that means is I've finished all of my training. Um, so I've finished medical school in residency. Uh, I did my res- residency in internal medicine. Um, and now I am a medicine attending at NYU and, and a lot of people get confused as to what that means. Um, mm-hmm. this means that I see patients exclusively in the hospital who are sick enough to be hospitalized. Uh, so if you watch any medical TV shows like, um, like Scrubs or House is the, the, the classic example uh-huh. House and JD from Scrubs and Dr. Cox from Scrubs, they're all internal medicine physicians. Got it. So they, they go around treating patients who have pneumonias, um, heart failure, things like that. And now that we live in the time of coronavirus, um, that is all I see. That is all I've been seeing for the past month or so. And that's, um, uh, it's, it's been an incredible trip. And it's just been a privilege to be a part of history. You know, it's so funny, uh, Minji, that you, you mentioned this web of support and this, this, um, this ongoing uh, uh, chain of support, um, and it's something—it's something that's so incredible to see in the time of coronavirus. Support is kind of—it really is kind of like a pyramid. People just mm. build themselves up taller and taller and taller through it. One of my favorite quotes in all of literature is, "Relax and behold, for you are the result of the love of thousands." Oh, that, I love that so much. Yeah, and and it's something that I find to be so true. Um, I, I, I see parts of my own character that are reflections of those around me. I think anybody can sort of relate with that. Anybody kind of knows about that, um, about how, you know, when you, when you have somebody that you love deeply in your life that you maybe hang out with and spend an extended period of time with, you find yourself mirroring certain characteristics of them. Um, and you, you find yourself mirroring the support that they give you. Mm. And that's something that I've seen so dramatically in this time of coronavirus, just so many people in the community and all of their kindness just coming together and rallying around people who suffer. I um, mean, I wouldn't discount you. I mean, that's I what I was so proud and so like moved to see was that that feature that you had in time where they just, you know, wanted to get your perspective on everything that's going down as you are an attending physician in New York City, which right now in our country is an incredibly intense uh, place right now with all of the sickness and all of the, the death that's happening. And in general, I feel like New York is a very intense place, right? There's a lot that is personified that it, it makes sense in terms of um, just the amount of people, the density of humanity that is there. Um, but you, you were reflecting on being a doctor, being Asian American, and it, it's not surprising to me to hear you reflect on all that with such grace and with such gratitude, because I can only imagine, you know, and I would love for you to correct me if I'm wrong, but like the days that you're facing right now and the environments that you're in on a regular basis for extended amounts of time is, it's incredibly difficult. Like I can seriously, like just imagining that. Like, what can we do to further support doctors? Because, like, holy crap, it just that feels like such a such a tremendous endeavor to volunteer to to walk into. You know what I mean? Like, that's just so 
I, I don't know. I don't, I've been through things in my life, but I cannot imagine walking into what you walk into every day. Well, right first now. Of all, thank you so much for those kind words. I feel incredibly undeserving of them. Um, and uh, second off, thank you so much for your support. Um, uh, whenever I walk into the hospital, I, I, uh, I've been working pretty long shifts. Um, whenever I walk into the hospital, I feel like it's not just me walking in, but an entire village just sort of pushing us all forward. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. It is, it can be very intense at times. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a way of thinking that has to be incorporated that we as physicians aren't totally used to thinking mm. about. Um, and that in and of itself, it makes this entire experience so interesting and so humbling. Um, just to elaborate on that a little bit further, as physicians, whenever we see patients BC before Corona, whenever we mm. saw patients BC, um, our main focus was how do I do the best good for this patient in front of me? Now, AC after Corona, um, my th- thoughts have shifted in that I necessarily have to think, how do I do the most good for this patient while also doing the most good for the whole? Mm -hmm. How do I balance doing what's right for the patient and doing what's right for the greater good? Mm -hmm. Collective action problem that you have to take account for. And within that sort of conflict lies so much humanity, so many human stories, so many tears, um, and so many decisions that are made on a day-to-day basis that are difficult. Mm-hmm. I just can't, I mean, I feel like words are very, they feel very uh, flighty in comparison to like what actually that incorporates, you know what I mean? And um, there are people that for, for very valid reasons kind of remove themselves from listening to news too much. I mean, we all want to be informed and even that right now, I think it's been a very, it's a very unique moment, I think in the history of humanity. And I don't think that that is overly dramatic. The fact that we're at this particular global crisis and that everything is coming to a halt and that we're having to see things and analyze things and understand things from such a different perspective including the validity of news and the validity of people um, who are supposed to be delivering facts in order for us to be able to protect ourselves are not, we're questioning everything. You know what I mean? Um, And that's like the weird part in terms of watching news, which is why I care as much as possible to hear directly from the horse's mouth. I would love to know straight from the source, like how are things actually going? Um, because then there's less room for error. There's less room for scrutiny and like manipulation for media purposes, whatever. Um, and I just feel like it's, it's powerful to hear you say that. I mean, we've been hearing that, you know what I mean? From news anchors, which is still important, but to hear directly from you who is walking that path and you who is uh, treating and caring for these, these sick patients it, I want to, it just brings humanity to it. It brings not only truth to it, but it brings like, this is the reality of the situation. Um, because I think at the end of the day, humans are, as much as we're like logical, we're very emotional creatures and we need to know what we need to do and why we're doing it so that we can continue to do the right thing. Does that make sense? Like, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what, uh, with everything that you said. Um, uh, it is a very trying and difficult, confusing time. Mm-hmm. And you speak to the conflict that's going on in this world right now, all of the chaos in the news media and all of the the information that's bombarded, um, that bombards normal people every day. And in a second, I'll, I'll comment on how things are going right now. But first, I, I, I kind of, I, I think that it's so interesting that you mentioned this conflict because it, harp- it harkens back to what we were talking about before, how generations and generations before us were defined by the conflicts that they overcome. How the greatest generation is the greatest generation because they overcame that great conflict. 
and how how our parents' generation is defined by war and strife and sacrifice. And for the longest time before this, I had difficulty grasping what our defining conflict would be. Um, mm. We had many to choose from. We had 9-11. We had um, the Great Recession. But in, in a way, it seemed like our generation was just floating about. Um, uh, I'm a millennial, I must admit. Uh, our generation was just floating about with a lack of definition. And any time any generation has a lack of definition, they get these definitions thrust upon them. The, the, the laziest generation, the, the selfish generation. The entitled generation. The entitled generation. But now we have a defining conflict. And in the midst of this defining conflict, I've seen nothing but compassion in most people, in the vast majority of people in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly there are some outliers, but the torrential wave of good people I think is overcoming of all of that. And mm-hmm. I think at the end of this, we have an incredible opportunity to write our own definition. Now we have an entirely incredible opportunity to define ourselves by the love that we give. And I think people are doing an incredible job all around the nation of, of, um, of doing that the thing about, the story that you mentioned is that I, I, I feel incredibly undeserving to tell it because so many people could tell that story. I am incredibly honored and humbled to be able to speak to it, but I also feel very undeserving to tell it. Um, it's something that I'm certain everybody goes through, not just Asian Americans, but our, our incredible African American colleagues are incredible Latino American colleagues and many of our incredible white American colleagues, most Mm -hmm. of our incredible white American colleagues, all all of my colleagues at NYU come from incredible myriad backgrounds. Um, You know, I I remember one of, one of my college roommates was a Somali refugee who ended up being the valedictorian of my college. And he's, he, he, he went to Hopkins for, for medical school. Um, And I think now he's at Yale for, for internal medicine. And, and, so many of, of my white American colleagues too that come from disadvantaged backgrounds that have um, you know have parents that support them lovingly throughout the entire process something that can't be discounted I think we're, we're, we're defined by these decisions that we make and so the story that I tell I, I think it's it's not unique I think it's it's something that everybody um, has and can tell and I, I feeling incredibly undeserving to tell it. Now speaking, just briefly shifting gears and speaking to that other point that you brought up a little while ago of how things are right now. Things are difficult. Um, things are, are still difficult. I, I mentioned in the piece that we started out with five patients and at the time we had 350. Um, and then I believe within a week we went up to 400. One of the difficulties is that as patients get sick and they get ventilated and they go into the ICU, they have these very prolonged periods of intubation. Coronavirus is not a disease that we're used to handling. It's it's SARS. It's SARS. It's coronavirus is almost a bit of a of a misbranding opportunity because it's it's functionally SARS. And mm-hmm. so when patients get intubated or when they go on a ventilator, they ha- they have to spend these very long protracted time courses on the ventilator. Um, and it carries a very high mortality risk. Um, things were tough for a long time. Our ICU levels as a result of, or our ICU uh, uh, capacity as a result of that had to increase five to sevenfold. Mm. Um, as that was happening, physicians came in, incredible physicians were, were coming in and volunteering themselves for free to serve these patients um, physicians who are in the exact age demographic that put themselves at the highest risk of coronavirus, if they were to catch it, were coming in, leaving their families, and for free, were taking care of these patients mm-hmm. to help staff this incredible surge of patients that we were seeing in New York City. As a result of everybody's combined efforts, um, including the people who are staying home and social distancing, 
it seems that right now, hospitalizations across the city, and I, I, I speak to many colleagues about this, are starting to get a little bit better. Um, we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And mm-hmm. I feel that tepidly because I, 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 I think there's still vigilance that needs to happen. We, we really don't want to risk a double Pell curve and a double surge in patients, but there is definitely hope right now on the horizon. We're starting to, um, to see that very, very vividly. That's incredibly, incredibly incredible for lack of better words. I feel like a little bit of loss for words, which is rare for me, but Chen, I think, um, you know, you say that you feel very undeserving and I believe you cause I, I, to whatever degree, I feel like I know you and your heart. Um, it's because you're a genuine and sincere person that does not seek to do good because it's getting something out of it. You do good because that's what you, that's what you want to do. You want to do good by your patients. You want to be a great doctor. And I think that you're doing that. And I also believe very much in things. Um, I believe in things like divine timing. I believe in things happening for a reason. And I think if you have become in, in whatever way, a voice for all these different doctors and physicians and amazing heroes, you know, it's because I think you have a very amazing ability and capacity to do that. I think you're incredibly well-spoken. I think the sincerity of your delivery speaks volumes. So it's not even just like what you're doing, but so Chen, so I want to just like toot your horn because just what you're doing every day, day in and day out and all the work that you put in to get up to this point and able to be able to do that. I mean, literally I think of all the, all the tests and all of the courses that I avoided on purpose because I just didn't think I had <laughs> the brain capacity or the the desire wherewithal to serve in that fashion. Like I literally opted out. You did all of that and you're still holding down the fort and you're speaking truth to like so many layers of humanity and uh, cultural complexities, racism, all these things, you're, you're able to speak on that so beautifully. So uh, I think that is for a reason. And there's a reason why I felt really compelled. I was like, I want to bring Chen onto first of all, and just like capture a snippet of his story and his spirit, because I think it's really, we're, our world is very fortunate to have you and your colleagues in it. You guys are freaking heroes. And so if I can just reinforce that, through the airwaves from California in my in my safe space right now while you go to war on behalf of everybody, um, that's the least I can do. You know, it's the least I can do. Thank you so much, Minji. I'm I'm incredibly flattered and grateful. And at risk of sounding like a broken record, I feel very undeserving <laughs> of those words. Um, uh, thank you for for saying those kind things. Um, uh, whenever, you know, uh, I, I go to a party or a new meetup and people ask, what is one animal that you try to emulate? Um, I, I thought about this a bit and, uh, <laughs> the animal I would try to emulate is, is an earthworm. Oh, um, earthworms are interesting because as they sift through the soil, they create life and they create growth and crops. And most of our, our food supply would not be able to exist without earthworms just going through the soil and tilling it. Through. I think that might be the wrong term, but flipping it gradually to, to make way for new nutrients. Mm-hmm. And earthworms don't have to think about doing that. They just move. They just go about. And as they move, they gradually, literally change the world, lifting it and putting it back into place. And they create life from that. I'd love to be like an earthworm. You don't have wow. to be like an earthworm. You just have to be. And with that, I, I apologize. I do have to leave. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Chen. That was a very, oh, now I'm thinking so much, but I, I just, I appreciate you so much. I applaud you and I'm praying for your safety and for your health. And I'm going to keep checking in on you whenever you're available. And thank you so much for taking time during your, your break and your rest to talk to me. This it's is just so great. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All. And thank you again to Dr. Chen Fu for being such an incredible guest. And thank you from the bottom of my heart to him and to all the frontline workers and all the healthcare providers who are doing such important work to keep us safe. And our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers are with you. 
Um, please keep up the great work and be safe. And uh, thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger for the intro. And thank you to Uzuhan for his song Uzu Trap for the outro. And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Please check us out. Uh, we've got a lot of really great content to keep you guys company and entertained and great discussions coming your way. And yeah, if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, uh, go to at Minjeezy and you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to become a Patreon patron, go to patreon.com slash firstofallpodcast. And yeah, happy to hear from you guys and connect with you. I hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, do all the good things for yourself, do all the good things for the world. We'll get through this one day at a time. I love all of you, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. My blessings aggressively pushing the boundaries off of my family. Into this land, a dream in my hand. All of that changed when life decided to switch on my plan. Yeah, tell me now, how did we get so low? Yeah, tell me now, how did we get so bruised? Yeah, tell me now, how could they be so rude? Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.